I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another solo Lucy edition of Culture Vulture. And I think I'm going to be starting a lot of these sort of at-home recordings until I've found a podcast studio in Lisbon, if I even do, with an apology for the goddamn barking dog that lives outside our house. Um, We've got... Actually, I think I've already said this. We've got like an aviary, a turtle that's outside, so lots of birds um, and a turtle, and also less... Less nice, less ambient. Um, we have a barking dog that never shuts up. So I'm so sorry, but I've already been waiting. Like I've waited like hours to try and find the time to do this where the dog stops barking. Um, and you know what? The dog just never stops. Kind of like me. I am a dog that never stops barking. Um, okay, we're doing this. We're doing this just me and you again, everyone, because... Last night, something really fucking crazy happened to me, um, and Laura and I were meant to record, but I had to be like, sorry, I can't, because honestly, I just couldn't stop crying. Um, It was really crazy and moving and beautiful and sad, and I am not going to talk about it on here, but I think it's something that I'll definitely write about in the book, Um, because... We're writing a book. I don't know if you uh, all saw that announcement, but we are writing a book, Belle and I. It's called Make It Make Sense, and it is about how we make sense of living in this fucked up world. There'll be, you know, chapters on things like losing someone you love or being fucking bullied at work or phoenixing or falling in love or not falling in love. It's going to be a group of, we don't want to call them essays because I like essays if they were interesting to read, um, like what you read in the newsletter, but way more refined and really, really worked on really hard. So anyway, you can pre-order that now, um, and the link is in the show notes to pre-order, but I just, yeah, this thing that happened to me yesterday, um, it relates to one of the chapters, one of the really hard chapters that I'm writing about, and it was just crazy, and I had to message Laura and say, I can't stop crying, so there, I can't get on the mic, and she's at Oxford, she's just fucking started at Oxford, so obviously she is busy today, but I was like, no, I want to get on the mic, I want to do this for the Culture Vulture, the people that, you know, this is their bona fide favorite pop culture podcast, and so once again, you just have me. I must say, my recording booth is looking really good today, Um, hopefully it sounds okay, I'm sure Ruby will work her magic on it as much as she can, and send me a message if it's not, but I'm feeling like this is the best I've got the booth yet, so here's hoping it sounds okay for all of you, Um, I feel like what describes my week is this crazy thing that's annoying that I can't really put into words what happened, but 
just I had my birthday I had my birthday since we last chatted everyone so I'm now 26 um it's just continued to be really turbulent like half of the time I'm like holy shit I live in Lisbon this is so cool and then the other half I'm like as we talk about every week I know no one um I don't know the language very well how am I supposed to do this but that's what your 20s are for so I'm just gonna roll with it so today what I wanted to talk about with Laura was sort of a little bit further into the tube girl trend and the multiple sides of tube girl and I think we still will talk about that a little bit at the end but first Ruby has naturally done a really good should we care for us so it might just end up being another big chat another should we care um sort of bumper dish but the first one is and I don't know if all of you saw this um Olivia Wilde putting a Instagram story up that had a tweet Uh, The Instagram story was a tweet and she'd shared it and it said, I wish Taylor Swift was in love with a climate scientist. So this obviously sent fucking, what fans would it have sent? Harry Styles fans. It sent Harry Styles fans into um, overdrive because Olivia Wilde can do no right in their eyes. She can't even crack a joke as she was doing here in their eyes. Plus Harry Styles and Taylor Swift once dated albeit like 10 years ago, but people um, were not impressed that Olivia Wilde shared this. I did think it was brave. I'll say I think it was brave of Olivia Olivia Wilde to share this, but she's like a bold woman. She's like, I don't know, it kind of tracks. So anyway, the original tweet was by a Dutch actor, Katia Herbers, And in the original thread, she followed this tweet with, Taylor would join her scientist at an end fossil fuels rally and the world would be saved. So the thing, and Ruby actually had a really good point about this, is like, if you can even slightly critically think, you would see that Olivia Wilde sharing this tweet was just to poke fun at the fact that when Taylor Swift started dating Travis Kelsey or Maddie Healy or whoever it was, we, we as the internet, as society, put so much energy into either loving or hating the person she was with. The whole internet basically like rallied around Travis Kelsey. They sent his fucking football merch up 400%. Apparently Taylor's NFL appearances created uh, like equivalent brand value whatever that means of 122 million dollars like it just shows if we wanted to we would and I this tweet was simply putting out like if Taylor Swift dated a climate scientist maybe we would put all this energy that we put into standing and fanning and being fans of things which I love which there is so time for obviously we exist on this planet not just to like have to fight every day we're allowed to love things but if we just put an ounce of that energy into the climate or if Taylor Swift started dating a climate scientist um you know maybe we'd get some shit done again not it's not on us it's not on single fans to be having to do this like the onus is actually on these huge fucking corporations that are ruining countries that like aren't even doing anything wrong they're always bearing the brunt of it and so this is just poking fun at the fact that we all know we could 
put our energy there, but in fact, we don't. And so this was just like Olivia Wilde poking a bit of fun, but yeah, fans sort of got a hold of this and weren't stoked because they just, remember when they just all turned on Olivia Wilde? Even though I will say it till the day I goddamn die, book smart is one of the best movies of all time. I actually showed my dad it the other day and he thought it was really funny. So it passes the dad check, it passes the normie check. All I'll say is it's it's just funny that we rally around some things that are meaningless to us, like this relationship. It's a lot more meaningless to us than the planet, but for some reason, and this is human nature, we just, we do anyway, we rally around it way harder. So yeah. And then that's not to say that Taylor Swift you know, never uses her platform. I do know in Miss Americana, she sort of talked about how she was silent for a long time about things. And she, I think it was during the 2020 election, started being a bit more vocal, a bit more political. She actually recently just um, put up a link to get voters to go and register to vote. And she got, I don't know the number at the top of my head, but a crazy amount of people um, from what she shared going and registering. So she does have that power. She does use it at times for for, for good, for, well, for meaningful change like that. But also like she's a superstar, a singer, and that's her number one job. It's all of us that expect or that care more about her relationships or all the extra things that she does. It's sort of, yeah, it just says something about us as fans. And so do we care? I do care about that story because it's, again, it's another good lesson in critical thinking. I hate seeing shit blow up on the internet. That's just stupid. Um, like when people were mad about that. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The next one, it is another Doja Cat story. So Doja Cat has once again made her way into the should I care um, or should we care section of the podcast. This time because she uh, posted a photo of her wearing a t-shirt to Instagram with the face of Sam Hyde. So we know that Doja Cat has been slowly kind of trying to turn her audience against her it feels like like she I mean a while ago there was all that um talk about her and she used to be in these far right or alt-right chat rooms and people were a bit like oh god and then she sort of went through this moment where she was telling her fans they were stupid for using their fan name for her um I remember when she had to cancel a show and fans were mad and she was like fuck it I'm quitting music and then and then, yeah, she's just sort of been taking it further and further, saying that, like, she said that the old songs she released were a cash grab and that everyone fell for it. And she just sort of has been on a bit of a tangent of what feels like trying to make her fans dislike her, or even if she's not trying to, it's having that effect. She is, like, sort of trying to turn her fans against her. So Sam Hyde, the guy on the T-shirt that she's wearing... He is a really fucking bad dude. Like, to put it really bluntly, he has, like, very strong links 
to the far right. He has quite a long history of racism, anti-Semitism, and also misogyny. And so he, it's not just like he cracks problematic jokes. He, and back in 2013, um, begun his career with a series of sort of racist and really homophobic stand-up sets. And then he did a TED Talk parody and it went viral. And then his sketch group was given a show on Adult Swim, but it was cancelled after one series. Sam Hyde said that this was because of his support of Donald Trump that it was cancelled, which, like, obviously the guy supports Donald Trump, so that's also not good. Um, But to give a taste of the content, one unaired sketch was called Thank You White People, and it was based on the premise that black and Hispanic people should be grateful towards white people for creating civilization, which is just... Fucked. I mean, this is fucked. So that's a bit of a taster of this dude. He's also donated heaps of money to, like, people that run far-right or alt-right news sites and things like that. Anyway, so Doja Cat, she uploaded this photo of her wearing a t-shirt with his face on it. And then she deleted it and uploaded it again, like, cropped. So you couldn't see it. But people commented, like, babe, we saw the original. We saw the first ones. I don't know. I just, I, I'm really confused as to why she's doing this. Like, is she just pushing us to see how far she can take it? Like, how much of a troll she can be and sort of be like, well, now we expect it. She's basically set the bar so low that she can do whatever she likes and we're just not gonna, like, we're just gonna let her, let her live sort of thing. I don't know. It's, it's sad for us to get desensitized to this type of shit. Also just fucking like, I don't know. It's like not funny. Like wearing t-shirts and and being edgy and shit like that. I don't know. It's just not funny. So Doja Cat, I wouldn't be surprised if Doja does um, appear in this section of the podcast again, because I actually do care. I don't know how much longer I'll care, but also I'm like, no, because does that mean I'm getting desensitized? And then that means people that are edgy and do this kind of shit for jokes, even though they are supporting like people like Sam Hyde, I think they can just get away with it. So anyway, I do care. The next story, this is one I actually wrote about in the newsletter. Robin Williams's daughter calls out disturbing use of AI recreation of her father. So a content warning for this, obviously, Robin Williams, we all know and loved him. He died by suicide in 2014. Um, So if you don't want to hear about him or it's upsetting to you to hear about this, um, just skip forward about two minutes, I would say. But so Robin Williams, we all know, was one of the most iconic actors of our time. Um, He was in like the Dead Poets Society and Mrs. Doubtfire. His daughter took to Instagram uh, about a week ago to comment on the Hollywood actors strike saying, I am not an impartial voice in SAG's fight against AI. So just as a reminder, AI is one of the two main issues that the writers and the actors were focusing on during these negotiations because they don't want AI to be writing the scripts or they don't want AI to be used to, I don't know, clone the actors or use their voices. They just don't want it to interrupt the actual creation of, of art. Um, So that's one of the main things they've been fighting for. And a reminder that the WGA has a tentative deal in place while the actors are still, um, they're still on strike. So his daughter Zelda 
um, wrote in her Instagram post saying, I've witnessed for years how many people want to train these models to create or recreate actors who cannot consent like dad. This isn't theoretical, it's very, very real. I've already heard AI used to get his voice to say whatever people want, and while I find it personally disturbing, the ramifications go far beyond my own feelings. Living actors deserve a chance to recreate characters with their voices, to voice cartoons, to put their human effort and time into the pursuit of performance. These recreations are, at their very best, a poor... I want to tell you all, I don't know how to say this word, facsimile? Facsimile? I don't know of greater people, but at their worst, a horrendous Frankensteinian monster cobbled together from the worst bits of everything this industry is instead of what it should stand for. So Zelda's post actually comes at a time when Robin Williams' voice is set to appear in a new Disney short, Once Upon a Studio, in the role of his character from Aladdin, uh, the genie. But it's actually unconfirmed if this is what Zelda was referring to because Josh Gad, the voice of Olaf in Disney's Frozen, has confirmed that the short uses previously unheard dialogue, dialogue recorded by Williams prior to his death and used with the consent of his estate and that it was not created with AI. This conversation reminds me a little bit about our um, chat that we had, Liv and I had it back on Culture Vulture a few years ago, about releasing artists like posthumous music after their death or posthumous writing. So releasing things that they never intended to be released or didn't finish after they died. And often it can feel like a money grab and not like a tribute to them. And so this, in the case of using actors that have passed away, their voices or their likeness, um, in ways that they wouldn't have wanted, it feels very similar to that conversation and very icky. So I definitely feel like this is something I care about. And I think, I mean, how interesting is it that this AI conversation, like a year ago, we weren't even really having. So Ruby, once again, well done on the Should We Cares because I actually cared about all of them. And I think the listeners will too. And so moving on to the main topic or sort of an extension of what Laura and I spoke about last week um, about Tube Girl because I actually got quite a few messages of you all saying that the perspective I brought to the table of, of Tube Girl uh, it wasn't anything I'd thought about before and it was something that they agreed with or they wanted to hear a bit more about and so I wanted to talk a little bit more about Tube Girl and sort of what Tube Girl as a concept tells us about the world. So Tube Girl, for anyone doesn't know, is a girl called Sabrina who makes videos shot in 0.5 on her camera, sort of dancing on the tube, um, having the wind blowing her hair. And one of the videos went really viral and then you know, the rest went viral and then she started getting brand deals. She walked on runways. She started getting like Mac endorsements and all that. Like she's making bank. And so I did a bit of a deep dive into her and why I felt so cynical about it and which we'll get to. The BBC did a really good article on her and they sort of asked about the origins of Tube Girl and so Sabrina, who already had a little bit of a TikTok presence and was studying law and finished her degree, but said she always wanted to be a model and always used to tell her parents like, 
I'll be a rock star sort of thing. Um, she said that it started because she had to commute everywhere because she lives quite far away from everyone. And she said, on the way back home after a night out, I'd put my music on. And when you're bumping your head, people don't come up to you. People leave you alone a bit more. So I was feeling a bit more safe and enjoying my journey a bit better. So that's sort of what she says about, which is quite interesting, like that her being overly confident and putting in her music and dancing and filming it on the tube made people not come up to her so much. But actually the first video was of her on the way to the other side of the city to see her friends. And it was it said something like, being the friend who lives on the other side of the city, so you've got to hype yourself up during the commute. So she filmed that one. It went really viral. And then... Um, the, then she just, you know, continued making them, obviously because they went viral and then popped off. And so many people comment on them saying, like, my social anxiety is scared of you. My social anxiety is, like, could never do this. I could never do this. And her whole thing now, which I think has come... Because I went and did a bit of a, like, look through her old TikToks. And I think after she maybe got management or an agent or learned how to manage her PR they sort of went for the line of like self-confidence doing this makes you feel confident and um, should empower others to dance on the tube as well type of thing. Like I think, and and that's not a bad line to take. I think, I think it's genuine as well. She seems like a very confident person. That's like what she's saying to most of the outlets. Cause I read quite a few interviews with her. She said she grew up in Malaysia. She's a Malaysian girl from day one. It's her home. And she, she says a lot of influence was just from being from a hot country, a really relaxed place. And she doesn't really have a lot of time for people that criticize her videos as cringe or embarrassing, which like, love that. Love leaning into cringe. She said, honestly, I don't take it to heart at all. And then she did say, I think it's very common when girls are having fun, when they're seen as enjoying themselves and when they take pride in their value, like it's, it's easy to tear them down and be like, that's cringe, which actually isn't what I'm seeing happening online. Most people are being like, my social anxiety could never, but then some people are recreating this. Celebrities are jumping on the trend. Brands are fucking ruining it by getting on the trend. Um, Celebrities have been actually in tube girl videos with her, like Leanne from Little Mix, Teresa Vaughn, Omar Apollo. Like everyone is, everyone is all over tube girl. To be honest, I think it's kind of past now, but the things, the thing that I brought up last week, which I just want to quickly bring up again was like, and I hate that I had such a cynical approach to this. And I don't know why this was the one that did it for me because like, I love a trend and I love social media, but it was just that we are overwhelmingly entering this era where like it almost feels like nowhere is safe and nowhere is sacred and everyone's just curating their lives to look good online despite what they look like in real life. So for example, like Sabrina dancing on the tube, like, and taking up a lot of space on busy tubes. Or I saw like discourse on Twitter the other day about someone getting angry or saying that, look, if someone is filming a video in public, it's your duty to stay out of the video. No matter like if you're on the way home on the tube or if you're walking in the back of someone's outfit of the day video, you know, I'm seeing all these people buying those little sticky things that you put on the back of your phone, sticking them to like shop windows and, and doing a fit check and recording themselves and walking backwards and, and people feel obliged to, you know, step off the footpath or step out of the way. And I just, Think And then you have like the man on the street videos where you can be walking down the street and 
you could be stopped and asked about what song you're listening to or what you think about politics or um, whether you've heard of this artist or what your salary is. I just think we are entering this era where everyone is trying to go viral online or making things online. And I think it's coming or it's about to come or it is coming at the expense of like us living in real life. Like if you are trying to walk down the street and you're finding yourself wanting to divert your path or having to divert your path out of people's videos or photos or fit checks or dances or whatever, like it's just a really self-absorbed way of like living. I mean, I know we're, we're living in like a main character sort of, energy situation where everyone is the main characters of their own lives and romanticizing their own lives and that's great to a point but when it starts becoming super individualistic and like I'm making this thing so I can go viral or I'm making this thing because it makes me feel good and you can stay out of the video you can watch but just know that like you might be in the video it's I think what really started me getting cynical about this was writing about panopta content and how it's like we're all Um, surveilling each other because we're all filming things all the time and people are gossiping about each other and then posting it to TikTok and saying, if your name's Sarah and you have friends called Lindsay and Mike, they were talking shit about you. Like, I just think all these things that we do to go viral or that we do to have 15 seconds of fame, it's starting to come at the expense of others or at like a normal society. And it's just really weird. It's just worth considering. I'm not saying that Tube Girl is the bane of society. I know a lot of people love her and love it. And that's totally fine. I think it's also great that that celebrities are using the Tube. I mean, it's it's better than taking like taxis and Ubers and, and black cabs and shit everywhere. Like it's it's cool. She's like, she lives out of the city and she romanticizes public transport and I love that but I just yeah I'm I'm just maybe a bit cynical because I I think about the internet a lot and and the impact that it's having on us as people I also think I get a bit cynical when I think about pretty privilege and the fact that she is a beautiful girl. I mean, she wanted to be a model and now she actually is a model, which I think is great. And I love the power of social media that you can make things happen for yourself like this. But I also think if it was someone that looked different doing this, I can't help but wonder if we'd react the same way. And I have lived here, like in this world long enough to know that if it was someone that the world deemed not conventionally attractive we would be far less receptive to it or in fact it might not have even gone viral I remember years ago or a year ago when TikTok um their sort of terms of service or some of their terms were leaked not terms of service like internal terms for things going viral were leaked and it was awful it was like people that look a certain way their videos won't get pushed or people that are in like homes that don't look expensive or whatever their videos won't get served on people's algorithms and so I actually think it's worth thinking about pretty privilege in a lot of the things that we consume because I'm always thinking like if this person wasn't conventionally attractive would we we would we be reacting in the same way one 
would people let them do their thing or would they sort of accost them and make fun of them while they're trying to do it too? And would they be getting the same brand deals and the same modeling agents reaching out to them and the same sort of, you know, opportunities to come out of all of this? I'm not sure. I don't have the answers, but I think a lot of the time, no. And and that's that feeds into this, you know, we're scrolling and we're always just seeing beautiful people and beautiful people and it makes us feel like shit. So I also think that's worth worth considering. But like in saying this, it's like me, it's not that deep. But it kind of is. Like true girl as a concept, not that deep. Just another trend, another beautiful person doing something in public that a few years ago wouldn't have been done in public and, and that's something that TikTok's done and and that's okay. I mean it's our job to look at these things. It's why we have a podcast, it's why we have a newsletter, it's why we're writing a book. I just find it all very interesting. And so yeah, I just wanted to get on and chat a little bit further about Troop Girl. Um next week you're actually going to have an in real life episode of this podcast I'm going to London and I get to see Laura and we get to record it together and so look forward to that everyone I'm so excited to see her it's been 18 months since we've seen each other in person and yeah I'm just I'm so excited to see her so um tune in for that please go and pre-order the book pre-orders mean a lot to us and so do you and I will see you in the newsletter or I'll see you next week bye everyone Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.